All right, everybody, welcome to the Future Fathers podcast hosted by Zoo Media. Um, I'm Luke Eggers. I'm a senior journalism student at Azusa Pacific University. Uh, joining me today is Dr. Justin Smith. He's an associate professor for the Department of Biblical and Religious Studies at Azusa Pacific University. He graduated with his PhD in New Testament theology from the University of St. Andrews in Scotland. He's one of the highest rated professors on ratemyprofessors.com for Azusa Pacific University. And he's one of my uh, favorite Bible teachers that I've had so far in my APU career. So welcome, Dr. Smith. Thank you. That was a, that was a very awesome introduction. I deeply appreciate it. Sure, sure. So this is our first episode of the Future Fathers podcast. Um, basically, what we're, what we're trying to do is, is talk a little bit about what it means to be a dad and trying to get some wisdom from people who have been there and who are doing yeah. it currently and, uh, and um, you know, prepare, prepare young men for kind of, you know, what's, what's like going to be ahead, like what's, what's down the road yeah. uh, for people who want that. It's something that like I want, um, I see as a part of my future. It's a, it's a goal of mine to be a dad and to be a good one. So, so uh, we awesome. appreciate having you on for sure. Thank you. Um, can you introduce like yourself, like what's your, your background, you know, in terms of fatherhood, like where are you at? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, fatherhood has been kind of an interesting thing for me. Um, growing up, I always wanted to be a dad. I have a, a good relationship with my dad and I looked up to him a lot growing up. And so, I mean, as far back as I could remember, I wanted to be a dad. Um, but that process is taking kind of some interesting twists and turns um, on top of it. I was, I think you know this, I think, I think I've mentioned it in at least one of my classes with you, probably I was married and then divorced and now I'm remarried. So I'm on my second, I'm on my second marriage. And when I was married to my, my first wife, to be honest, there came a point where I, I started to understand that either I could be a father or I could be married to her, but I couldn't do both because it just, I, I don't think that we would have been good parents together. And I felt at that point, like it was more important for me to be a good husband. So I really, in, in, in some ways started kind of rewriting my own narrative and sort of writing out fatherhood. And that relationship ended uh, for various reasons that we don't have to discuss in this podcast. Sure. And I met my wife, who I'm married to now. And when we got together, we were both saying that we didn't want to have kids. But I thought that that could change. And it did. And so uh, about four years ago, three, four years ago, we started talking about having kids. And um, we have a two-year-old son, Teddy. And um, we have a, a daughter on the way. Um, so actually next week, um, on the 10th, uh, we have a C-section schedule. So I'll have, I'll go from, uh, no kids, uh, to two kids, uh, pretty quickly, um, in, in a short period of time. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. So like, what are, what are you feeling right now? Like, like, obviously it's your second child, but like, yeah. what are, what are, what are the emotions like when you have a baby on the way? It's like right around the corner. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. We, so with, with our son's pregnancy it was pretty straightforward but there were some interesting twists and turns and so I think we were a bit more nervous about that one this one with our daughter has been really really uneventful kind of knock on wood and so 
here we are about a week out. And I think I was actually talking about this with somebody today. It, it's weird because we're really prepared, but I think we don't want to allow ourselves to think that we're prepared. Like there's, I think we feel like there's something else that we're forgetting and we, mm. and we likely aren't, but I, I think we feel a little bit more at peace um, the second time through. I think we just know better what to expect, uh, what to look for, the for things sure. that we're probably going to need. So, yeah, I think, and the fact that, that, that they're so close together, that they're, you know, two years apart, mm-hmm. um, our son's still in diapers. So we we're used to changing diapers and uh, a lot of the stuff that, that you do with a newborn is similar to what you do in the first couple of years. So for sure. Yeah. So Teddy's two now, but like, do you remember those, like that feeling of, Oh my gosh, like I'm going to have my first kid. Like, like what what was how, so like, obviously you said it's different. You feel more prepared, but like, what were you going through uh, with the first one? So his, his situation was really interesting. Um, I was actually here at APU in my office and my wife called me and said, and, and he was about a week away from being due. And she called me and she goes, you know, um, I fell. I was doing some laundry and I fell. And I go, okay, um, go to the hospital, go to labor and delivery and I'll meet you there. And so we live in LA. So she was, you know, driving. It was a much closer drive for her. But uh, by the time I got there, they already had her hooked up and they were checking on the baby and the baby was good. But um, uh, it became pretty apparent that she was having contractions and we were going to be having him. So he came a little bit early, maybe, maybe not a week, maybe about two or three days, four days early. So that was a bit stressful, I think, you know, because we had, we had things planned and we, you know, had a whole, had a whole uh, situation that, that we were working with. And so he was a, he was a little bit of an X factor where he came a little bit early. I think in a way, I don't know that I was that nervous about being a dad I think it's because I didn't know enough to be nervous. Okay. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where um, sometimes like in class, I feel like students don't ask questions because they don't know enough to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I wasn't nervous because I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like I got more nervous as the weeks progressed, as you start to realize, oh man, I have no idea what I'm doing. Sure. We're making so many mistakes that's I think when the nerves started to kick in you know yeah Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure like I'm sure everyone's gonna go through it but like that's kind of like what we're about here like future fathers we're trying to trying to like gear people up for that like like for me personally I don't I don't think like I'm gonna start like I'm I'm not gonna start a family anytime soon Um, yeah but like I know that it's something that's on the hearts of a lot of young men and so like that's Mm kind of we want to like talk about those emotions and and like your change the changes in perspective and stuff like that so like along that line like like how how did you change and like how how did like that responsibility of like like i'm gonna be a dad like how like what did you go through as a as a, as a man like yeah, yeah. so that's, i mean that's i think it's a good question i think i've talked about this with other people from an emotional perspective it's sort of i found myself in these two different extremes in a way. So on the one hand, I found myself really softening as a man. Hmm. So, you know, I grew up in a particular time and men were expected to sort of, you know, be strong and, and, and I don't know, kind of have a hard edge to them. I mean, there was, there are things, you know, where things expected of men. So I 
played football in high school and college. So being tough, I suppose, in some way was, was kind of part of my self-identity. And I think I'm still tough, but I think it's, it's in a different way now. So in one, on one hand, when Teddy was born, I started to find myself becoming a lot more emotional in a way and kind of softening in other ways. But what I also found was the responsibility of having this person, the responsibility of having a baby and going, this baby is dependent on me in so many ways. And the fact that somebody may try to hurt my son at some point, or somebody may hurt my son at some point with their words or their actions also kind of made me harder in other ways. Yeah. So sure. it's like simultaneously, like I'm softening, like I'm kind of melting over here, but then over here, like, I'm just like, there's a, there's a harder edge or a harder shell that's starting to develop too, yeah. because I'm kind of preparing myself mentally for those moments in the future when I'm going to have to step into a space and um, defend my son or protect my son. And so uh, mm-hmm. the idea of somebody hurting my child then has sort of brought out some of that. Well, at the same time, being, being in this emotional space is kind of softening me too. So it's sort of a weird, weird space to be in where we're like mm-hmm. certain parts of you are getting tougher, but then other parts of you are getting softer at the same time. So it's sure. kind of an interesting space to be in. Sure. Would you say like, would you say that it, like it obviously it takes like a lot of maturity to to be in that spot and but yeah. like you say that it like it grew you up in a sense like 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 you're like you like the person you are now maybe in a, in a different way yeah something along those lines it's, yeah i mean it's it's also a little bit different for me too because i mean i'm coming at this a little bit later than a lot of guys do so i'm i'm 45 mm-hmm. and i was what 43 when teddy was born so there was i had already kind of gone through a lot of the the, the maturing process in a way where you know, I've been married and divorced. So that changed me, got remarried. My wife and I had been together, you know, we'd, we'd been together almost 10 years before we had kids, mm. but there was still, yeah. I mean, there's still this maturing process where what your life looks like as a couple. And we've talked, she and I've talked about this a lot where, you know, one, one evening you just kind of look at, look at your wife and you go, Hey, you like, you, know, you want to go see a movie? You, you know, you want to go grab dinner? You want to go out? You want to go do something? You know, you want to whatever, just like drop of a dime or, Hey, look, let's go take a trip this weekend. Like pack a bag. Let's go. Hmm. Um, A lot of that stuff that you can do when you're single or when you're, you're married with no kids, you can't do that (laughs) as much. You know, you, the, the, the super spontaneous, just sort of drop whatever you're doing for us became a lot harder. And then also, I think it just kind of reshifted my priorities to say, all right, I, I need to definitely be more present and I need to be here. And some of the things that I would kind of drift into, um, even as an adult, that were maybe more self-indulgent in terms of how I spent my time, mm-hmm. I couldn't do anymore or I had to be careful of. Um, and so I think one of the things I actually did was, was even trying to find better work-life balance. Mm-hmm. So what I started doing um, once Teddy was born was I changed my schedule at APU so that now I don't teach past 2.15. Oh, and before, before I would teach until four, I would kind of be really flexible and teach whenever. And now I realized once he was in daycare that there'd be days when I drop him off at 730 in the morning and I'd be at APU from, you know, eight in the morning until four in the afternoon. And then I'd go pick him up and I started just doing the math and I'm like, man, my kid's in daycare for like eight plus hours a day. Mm-hmm. That's something I can change. Like I can fix that. Like that doesn't have to be that way. So. Um, just even trying to find work-life balance in a way that's better so that I'm 
not doing that so that I go, look, I can, I can do my schedule differently so I can be there and be, be around. Sure. And so, you, and you mentioned like it, it changed like your relationship with your wife, like it, it altered some things. Has it, yeah. has it brought you guys together in a way? Like, has, mm-hmm. it, has it been, has it been like, like, can you explain how, sure. how that has gone? Yeah. So I think one of the things that was really important for me and I think important for us, but I, won't, I can't speak for her here was when Teddy was born, I wanted to be involved in everything. So there's also, I think, this challenge, and I think this is changing a lot, but there's this challenge of the narrative that moms do certain things, dads do certain things, or men do certain things, and women do certain things when it comes to kids. So, you know, traditionally, the moms uh, will do the cooking and the cleaning and, you know, change the kids, and the dad's the breadwinner and and all that stuff, change diapers and dad's breadwinner. Mm -hmm. For me, I was like, look, every time this kid wakes up in the middle of the night, we're both getting up. I'm there with you. Um, if a diaper, diaper needs to be changed, let's change it together because it goes twice as fast. Mm-hmm. If we're doing a middle of the night feeding and, and a bottle needs to get warmed up or something needs to happen, let's both, let's like divide and conquer so that what would be a 10 or 15 minute thing for one person is a seven minute thing for two people and then everybody gets to go back to sleep. Sure. So I think that kind of united front around just the activities was really important Mm -hmm. but then you know as as you're there and you have a child and uh things are happening with the kid i mean like you're drawn into you're drawn into this this space where you need one another um in order to make all of this work that it just doesn't work when one person is doing it all so i think for us it brought us together um around having kids and then you know honestly when you have a kid with somebody that changes your relationship like whatever happens in the future whoever my my wife and I are in the future the thing that will always be true is that we have these these two kids together like we have these these people that we created and I think that's part of it like we sit back now and we look at this and go I can't believe we made this like I can't believe we made this kid like it's it's a it's an amazing thing in and of itself Mm -hmm. that's great yeah I mean I think it's something that like in, in our culture today um, is like scary to young men my age. And yeah. it's something where people are just like, oh my gosh, like it's going to change, you know, I'm going to change so much and so much has to happen. And, and it's good to, good to hear like your perspective. Obviously you've been there recently and it's fresh on your mind. So that's uh that's really special to, to hear that perspective. So yeah. you mentioned that like you, you, you're the kind of guy, like, the type of dad that wants to be there for everything and be involved in everything. So yeah. I know you're a sports guy, you're fo- you know, football background, kind of like, yeah. me. so, so I want to talk about dads in sports mm-hmm. and like, there's like, um, you know, for, for, for athletes, um, a lot of, you know, dads like want their kids to grow up and play sports. And I'm, I'm yeah. sure like you have, you have that aspiration, like, uh, how, like, do you influence your kids or like how, like, should you influence your kids towards like, you know, doing specific things? Obviously like your kids are still young, but yeah. Do you have any like plans for, for how you're going to do that? You know, I, I do to a degree. What I want is I want for them to be active. You know, I want them to get out. I want them to run around. I want them to do stuff. And I think organized sports is really good for that. Obviously. Um, it teaches you a lot of really important life skills. And I learned a lot 
you know, playing team sports. One of the things that my dad taught me when I was, when I was playing team sports was not quitting. So I started out playing soccer as a kid and, you know, it's, it's a fall sport and you're running around and you're, you're practicing in the park and it's, it's dark and it's cold and maybe you're not winning a lot. And so my dad said there were a lot of seasons where I'd want to quit in the middle of the season and he'd say, no, you can't quit in the middle of the season. He goes, if you don't want to play next year, that's fine. And we'll cross that bridge then. But right now you, you need to finish what you start. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of thing is important. And I, I really just want to kind of provide them space to choose what they want to play. So basketball, football, baseball, softball, volleyball, you know, whatever. Um, I want to give them opportunities to do that. And, you know, they're growing up. Teddy's grown up a little bit around sports. We haven't been watching as much sports uh, recently for various reasons. I mean, COVID's part of it, but yeah. he's not there yet from an attention, uh, attention perspective. I and mean, he's watched a little bit of football with me here and there, but um, yeah, I just want to give them the space to make choices. And I think it's hard as parents not to try to live vicariously in one way or another through yeah. your kid. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I played ball. I want you to play ball or I played this particular sport. I want you to play that particular sport. Right. And obviously with football, I mean, you and I both know this really, really well. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a really hard sport. It's a demanding sport. It's physically very hard on your body. Mm-hmm. And then all the stuff that we're finding out now with CTE and concussions and all of that. I don't know what football is going to look like in ten or fifteen years. Right. Yeah. I don't know what the technology is going to be like. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, it's it's trying to find ways to allow them to express themselves, but to do so, I think with sports is really important. For sure. Yeah. No. My, like my dad was the same way. I. I would get halfway through a baseball season and be like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. He said, no, you're going to finish and we want yep. to play next year. And then I'd always come back and play the next year and hate it yep. still. So no, yep. that, was, that was something really valuable for me as well. Um, yep. But like, like you said, there's so many dads that like want to live vicariously through their kids. And like, so like, what's your take on, on those dads, like who, you know, they coach and, you know, they're only like, concerned about their kids performance or they're screaming at refs on the sideline and yeah. stuff like that. Like, Never want to yeah, be- I mean, it's it's pretty bad, um, in my opinion. I I get dads wanting to be involved. I really get that. And moms wanting to be involved. I get it. Yeah. And trying to find ways to do that. I get it. And I think at points, you know, if this is what you really feel, and, you know, we could even use the words like calling. I and mean, if you really feel called to be a coach or to be a coach for kids sports, because I think there has to be a calling in it somewhere, right? Like, Right. Like I just don't I don't know if the risk reward or I don't know if the effort reward for coaching kids sports is high enough without some sense of calling. Like, you know, this is something that you feel called to do to help kids be healthy and so on. Mm-hmm. But if that's what it is, I mean, if you feel like you're called to help kids be healthy, then help them be healthy yeah. physically, mentally, you know, standing out there on the sidelines and yelling at a ref or, you know, yelling and screaming at kids who don't make a play you know, and they're 10 years old or 11 years old. I'm like, come on, man. You know, like there's a, there's a, there's a time and a place for that. Mm -hmm. And as you get into the higher levels of competitive sports, you know, high school, college, you know, there's a place for that. But I, I still do wonder about what we're doing to, to our kids in terms of their mental health and mental stability with the way that we've, we've coached. So for me, I, I definitely at this stage of my life do not see myself at any point being one of those dads right. who's either coaching or, or sort of yelling at the yelling at people on the sideline. I mean, there's mm-hmm. time and place for conversation and, 
and time and place for conversation with my kids kind of go, here's what I'm seeing as your dad, you know, sitting in the sand stands and, you know, here are my concerns and, you know, those kinds of things. But yeah, I, yeah. I think, again, it kind of comes back to balance and, and how balanced are we in terms of, of where we sort of throw our energies. And sometimes I think we've got obsessions that we're working through and we yeah. use youth sports as a way to do that. Like for me, like my dad was, my dad was, he was pretty mild. He would cheer me on. He would try and coach me up if he could on the sideline, but it was uh it was a big, a big part of my growth through sports was, was the fact that he just said, like, if you want it, you got to earn it. There's nothing, I'm yeah. not going to, you know, sweet talk a coach for you or, yell at a referee for you like like you got to go out there and prove yourself and and you know sports are a great way for for young kids to to grow up teach you a lot of life lessons so um, yeah I mean and I would even say like with my dad my dad is is not an athlete like not really I mean he played a little bit of football and stuff when he was a kid growing up but he, he wasn't one of those dads who either you know had had almost been a good athlete and something happened therefore he had something to kind of prove with me or any of that stuff. So my, I, in a lot of ways, you know, whatever I did athletically was him just kind of stepping back and going, if this is what you want to do, then yeah, you got to earn it. You got to go work for it. Mm-hmm. And he was not a guy that really offered a lot of advice. So it wasn't, yeah, no, no coaching up on the sidelines for my right. dad. My dad was just kind of like, I'll pick you up and drop you off yeah. <laughs> and I'll come to the games. But that was about it. So, uh, so I, I guess in some ways that was good. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, I wanted to talk about a little bit like just you know like right now like like we're doing this podcast over zoom we normally would be in the studio at apu mm-hmm. in darling 420 you know with microphones and stuff it's it's way more fun but you yep. know so much has changed you know we're in COVID. i'm sure you're excited to get back on campus and teach yeah um, i'm looking forward to it um but like how has how has parenting how is because because you were you obviously had teddy before yeah. this whole pandemic thing yeah. How, had, how has that impacted and shifted parenting for you in, um, in that way? Yeah. You know, it's been, it's been hard in some ways. Um, I think honestly, the biggest thing or one of the biggest things for us is just not feeling confident in letting him get out and run around. Yeah. And, you know, especially on the weekends, I mean, there's nothing we want to do more on a Saturday or a Sunday than to, you know, jump in the car, go to a park and just let him go. Mm-hmm. like go run it off dude because he's two years old and he has so much energy and it's like go run you know explore you know climb do all of that stuff and, and parks are starting to open up a little bit and so we're going to be doing that more I mean part of the challenge this last year has been my wife has been pregnant you know most of this last year too so right. even if even if we could go at points which we've done you know she's pregnant so she's tired so it you know, it's, it's a different situation, but I think just, you know, wanting him at this age to get out and explore more and run around and play and just have those opportunities. It's just, it's felt unsafe at, at points, you know, or just, we want to be really careful. Uh, so I feel like he's been inside more at this, at this age than I would have liked. Um, right. okay. And then the other thing, you know, we've, we've really been trying to work on, on screen time. I mean, he's a smart kid and I don't know how much of it's him or this generation, but I mean, He's pretty good with an iPhone already at two. He's pretty good with an iPad. I mean, we've got these learning games and stuff for him to play and he's really good with those. But then, you know, he can find stuff on YouTube kids that he likes to watch and he'll sit there and, you know, swipe through stuff and open things. And, and so we wanted to minimize that 
it's just been a little bit harder minimizing some of that stuff with COVID again, just trying to, mm-hmm. to, to minimize access uh, to, or, or exposure. So I think that's probably been the hardest part. The rest of it has felt pretty, has felt pretty normal. I mean, I think some of the scarcity of items when the pandemic first started worried us a little bit. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it ended up being okay. Like yeah. we, we, you know, we were never food insecure, but uh-huh. diapers and some of those things were hard to come by. They were. Um, yeah. yeah, initially, yeah, because because people were panic buying. So you'd go, yeah. you'd go to, you know, buy diapers even in the, in the store and they'd be gone. Or, you know, you need like a particular kind of diaper in a particular size, and mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't be able to find your brand. So you'd have to find something else and see if that worked. So did they like? They only let you buy so many diapers. Is that there would be some of that, or just like yeah. stuff would be sold out, just, just flat out, you know, sold out, back ordered, and. Jeez. Cause, okay. So here's the other thing too, as a dad, which you'll start to find out okay. is, you know, there's like, I don't know, 10 or different, 10 different brands of diapers. Right. Okay. And it may be the case that your kid only works with like one brand of diaper or two brands of diapers. So really? we're a Huggies family because we had Pampers and we had all this other stuff and he would just pee through these diapers all the time. Like it didn't matter what we did. And so it took a while to find out that this particular diaper worked for him so that he wouldn't he wouldn't pee through because as a dad what you'll find there's nothing more frustrating than when you you know wash your baby and you put him in some fresh pajamas and you put him in a diaper and you lay get him down to sleep and the next time you go in there and they they wake up or whatever and they've peed through everything they peed through their diaper they peed through their pajamas they peed through you know all the sheets and everything else so here you are in the middle of the night it's midnight two in the morning seriously and your kid has peed through everything so it took a while to figure out what diapers worked for him that he wouldn't pee through. And then you just kind of go like, look, this works. So we got to make sure we get that. So during the, the beginning of the pandemic, there was some of that stuff, but it's all kind of settled down now. I mean, we've been, we've been able to get the stuff that we need, but yeah, there was that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you'd say like Huggies is the best brand so far? Is that what, was For him. Yeah. And so, so we're already worried about with, with our daughter coming, like, you know, Huggies worked for teddy but it may not work for her so we have all these huggies and it could be the case that like you know she ends up being a pampers gal i don't know i'm yeah. hoping not i'm hoping that they're both the same but uh-huh. and then we have friends who swear by by other brands and so it's kind of one of those things you'll find too um as a dad it's it's interesting every kid is unique. every pregnancy is unique every delivery is unique and even if you have two kids be prepared for the fact that what worked with your first won't work with your second, mm. you know, what worked with your second won't work with your third. You'll have lots of people who will come along you, alongside of you and say, Oh, you know, my kid really liked this thing. So you'll go out and get that. Mm-hmm. Your kid will hate it. <laughs> or, you know, when my kid was crying a lot, you know, we, we did this. And so you'll try that. It won't work for your kid, but something else will. Jeez. So don't be, I just want to encourage young fathers too. like, don't be afraid of that kind of trial and error. You're going to have a lot of that. You're going to have a lot of people telling you things that work for them and you'll try it. And some of it works and some of it doesn't. It's okay. Your kid's unique, you know, and figuring out what works for your kid is going to be a learning process. So don't be afraid of that. That's huge. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, like that's something like I haven't even considered it is like, you know, buying diapers and, and, yep. and are you, are you just like doing that all the time? Like 24, like you're just always at the grocery store getting diapers. So the cool thing now, honestly, is like, oh, there's a lot of places you can just do stuff in bulk. So 
diapers are kind of are kind of interesting because um, when kids are are young, when they're really little, like newborns, they will grow out of newborn diapers really really quickly. Okay. So here's another thing, guys. Tip, uh, tip for you. When when you are expecting, and you and your wife uh, put together your your registry for your baby, on the registry, register for multiple sizes of diapers. Register for newborns and ones and twos and threes because they're going to grow out of the newborns. And all of a sudden, everybody that you know sends you cases of newborn diapers. Well, you don't need them anymore. What you need now are ones. So have some ones ready to go. And as soon as people start sending you ones, have some twos ready to go because they, the, as they grow, they, they grow out of the diapers and they grow out of really quickly. Yeah. So yeah, we're able to, we're able to do stuff a bit in bulk now where with, with Teddy, he typically goes through a certain number of diapers in a day. So we can kind of go, all right, we're getting a little low. How low are we? All right. You know, let's go ahead and put an order in so that we have them ready to go. That kind of thing. So with the, the buying, the buying online and buying in advance, you can kind of stock up a little bit and just not end up being in a situation where you get down and you're like, we have no diapers left. Like, what do we do? It's like, I, you can usually plan a little bit. Sure. There you go. The diaper talk. That's it. Now we're, we're Nobody ready. tells you when you're expecting kids. Seriously. Seriously. That's, that's the type of stuff that we need, need to hear. So, um, so before we let you go, sure. I want to talk a little bit about like you're a theology professor. You're, you're very yep. well studied. I want to talk about biblical fatherhood and like what that entails and like your perspectives on that. Yeah. So what I actually see in scripture is interesting. I see a lot of really bad dads. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, even the people that we look up to, I see as not particularly good fathers. So you look at somebody like David and you go, well, here's this great king and, and this really powerful leader. I'm like, his kids just aren't that good. Solomon's maybe, maybe the exception, but you have all of these kids that david has that are trying to kill him and take over for him so i think that says something to me about fatherhood says something to me about who he is as a dad you've got all of these dads that we see that make mistakes and i and i think then what i look at this as as i sort of see scripture then it's about doing as good a job as i possibly can to model uh, the right things for my kids so how do I model this? So, so for me, I'm a little bit more in tune maybe than the average person with what I think I see Jesus doing in the gospels um, and how I see him modeling the kingdom. So for me, it's really important to try to model that for my kids. It teaching them, sitting with them and reading scripture at some point. Sure. Um, you know, church and, and Sunday school and these kinds of things that I grew up doing. Sure. But it's the modeling part. Yeah, and it's yeah. the modeling all the way through, and a lot of it is is modeling not only being a dad but also being a husband. Mm -hmm. So you know, as I look back now, I love my dad, but my dad never really sat down with me and said, "Here's what it means to be a husband." For he sure. never sat down with me and said, "Here's what it means to be a father." Like there would be like these moments, and we'd have some talks, and he, you know, he'd give me a little bit of wisdom here and there, but it was never comprehensive. It was never like, "Here's all the things that I learned," or "Here are the things that I wish I had known." And so I actually want to be more intentional in that way with my kids, not only from the practical perspective, but also from a spiritual perspective. Yeah. Like here are the things that I wish I knew as a, as a spiritual leader in my household yeah. that, you know, nobody ever really sat down and talked to me about. So I, I think it's that, that sort of intentionality mm -hmm. in modeling 
all the way through at every moment. Because the thing that's crazy about kids, and you know this, I mean, they're watching all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're seeing what you say. They're seeing what you do. You know, they're, they're noticing all of these things. And then when they become adults, and, and it's actually more my concern is when my kids become adults. When they're younger, there's just things they won't notice. But as they get older, mm-hmm. they're going to be seeing lots of things from me as a father. So yeah. what does it look like for me to be a father when my kids are really young? But also, what does it look like for me to be a father when they're your age. Yeah, for sure. You, you know, feel, and, and how's yeah. that work? Do you feel like there's a there's a pressure there that you're dealing with? Like, mm-hmm. and that you're kind of getting used to? Is there is it is there kind of a, you know, as they get older, there's a natural, like you get better at like dealing mm-hmm. with that, like, because it's, you know, they're younger, they don't understand as much. Yeah. Um, but you're like learning how to be that as, is, is that kind of a, I think so. But then the thing that's weird is like each phase brings its own like set of concerns. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're really young, you're just worried about making sure that they honestly, that they stay alive. Right. Mm -hmm. Like seriously, it's like, okay, are they, you know, are they in their crib? You know, are they getting enough to eat? Are they sick? Is it life threatening? And as they get older, then um, those things become maybe less concerning in some ways, but then things become other things become more concerning. Right. Right. So to me, it's, you get, it's, it's kind of like, as you get better at certain parts of parenting, those parts of parenting sometimes become less important. Yeah. And then there's a new thing that you have to learn and get better at. And as, and once you get better at that, then that kind of becomes less important. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the intentionality showing your kids that you love them. I tell my son, I love him every day. I think it's important. I hug my son every day. I kiss, I kiss my son all the time. Um, I didn't grow up in an environment where um, that kind of thing was done. Like my dad loves me. I know that, but my dad didn't spend a lot of time telling me he loved me. Yeah. Okay. He didn't spend a lot of time like hugging me and showing me that he loved me. He showed me in other ways. Mm-hmm. Well, I want my kids to see all of these things. I don't want it to be an either or thing for them. I want them to go, my dad gets up in the morning and makes breakfast for me. That's how he shows me he loves me. But then he also tells me he loves me and he also kisses me and hugs me and lets yeah. me know. Right. So I think as each phase kind of develops with kids, there's new concerns. And then the older, the other concerns become less concerning, but then there's new things. So it's like, you know, when he's a teenager, when, when Teddy and my daughter are teenagers, like that scares me to death. Yeah. Like I can handle a two-year-old cause I can still like pick him up and put him where I want him. Right. But 13, 14, 15, 16, I'm like, I remember what I was like at that age. It's terrible. And now I've got to figure out how to deal with that with them. Um, And then into adulthood as, as you know, my kids start making choices about school and careers and partners and marriage and, you know, figuring out their finances and all of those kinds of things. It's like, then that just kind of becomes a new, a new thing to kind of be partnering with them in as we go along. So yeah, it just, it just, I don't know if it gets easier or just changes. Yeah, changes and you like keep building upon right foundation for sure, for sure. Right. Well, I mean, we're about out of time, so what we do is we end we end with a dad joke of the day. Um, this one's kind of silly. So, what is the last thing the grandfather said to his grandson before he kicked the bucket? I don't know what. Okay, he said, "Grandson, watch how far I can kick this bucket." <laughs> that's a pretty good dad joke i'm actually honestly, gonna have to remember honestly, that one that was one of the better ones i've heard so yeah that's a good one so that's a good one. 
we'll leave it off. Do you have any advice or encouragement for future fathers, people my age who aspire to be fathers at some point in their lives? Yeah. I mean, honestly, you're going to mess up. So don't beat yourself up about it. Um, just do better next time. Yeah. It, it's that simple. There's going to be lots of mistakes you're going to make. Mm -hmm. um, just learn from it and do better. And then also recognize that all the people that think they know what they're doing don't. None of us do. Yeah. When you're a parent for the first time, you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. And that's, and that's going to feel really troubling to some of you. Yeah. That's just how it is. None of us know what we're doing the first time through. So don't, don't be afraid um, to, to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask others. And then also don't be afraid to disregard um, some people's advice because it may not work for you and your wife and your kids and, and so on. Yeah. That's super helpful. Super yeah. Helpful. We want to thank you again for your time, thank Dr. You. Smith. We uh, loved having you on and um, hopefully we'll see you next time. Uh, hopefully we'll see you soon here on the yep. Future Fathers podcast. Thank you again to all of our listeners um, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.